Hello, welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. We're just going to dive into the message instead of messing around with uh, announcements kind of stuff. So um, so we're in the midst of a, a, a seven-week teaching series um, called Transformed. And so you guys know that by now, right? Okay. Uh, well, uh, the whole series, though, as, as reinforcement, as a reminder, uh, is focused on that, that, that God can actually change the real me, right? Uh, that, that there's actually power to change the real me, that God can actually do that. We can be transformed uh, by him. And so uh, Romans 12.2 is our theme verse for the series. And so it says this, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so uh, as a reminder too, the most important part of this is that God transforms us typically through other people. And so, uh, you know, who's the person that you're sharing with as we talk about the different areas? Who's the person that you're walking through and praying with and and, and doing those things? If you haven't grabbed somebody, uh, do that, right? Uh, Start today. Uh, Next thing is, um, here's the areas that we've walked through already. We've talked about spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, and then today we're looking at uh, relational health. And so, as we look at relational health, most of us get so busy with our, our lives, like no matter what age you are, like even if you're a little person, like, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, a toddler, you have certain things that you're into, like you have toys and all the things you get excited about. And, and as you grow, as you get older, you want to spend time with your friends. And, and, and then as you get into a career, you've got your job that pulls at you. And, and then, you know, if, you're, if you own a home, then you've got your lawn that you've got to do. And, and all these responsibilities that come at you. And what happens in life, it seems like we're so busy, we're so frantic, and then sometimes even, you know, going after things and being unhealthy about some things, right? We're maybe trying to get the perfect job or the perfect bank account or the perfect body or, or, or you know, or the, uh, you know, whatever, you know, you've got all these goals, you're trying to have a perfect life. And then what happens is our relationships become far from, per- from perfect. Our relationships that are actually within that life as we're going after things like what we say we really are most important to us, actually, we don't invest time in or, or, or when we are with those people, those relationships are poor. And so the key area that it comes into uh, with those areas so that we make sure that the people are, that are most important to us don't get the crumbs of life, right? Because it seems like we give the best part of ourselves to our jobs or the different things that are pressing on us, the demands of life. And then the people most important to us say, hey, where's mine? I know for, for me, I know when I'm doing this because um, Michelle and I, uh, as, we, as we talk, it's, it's higher stress. And all of a sudden, what's going on? We're just talking about what we're having for dinner. You know? and, then, and then typically what happens is that I'm becoming one-dimensional. You know? I'm just focused on what's happening at the church. I'm just focused on um, uh, different things that I'm going after. And I, that's all that I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden, I'm realizing, like, oh, when I'm talking about, when I'm one-dimensional, I'm only focused on that. I'm not taking time for me. I'm not reading or, or <clears throat> working out in the yard or, or taking hikes and walks and those things so that I'm, I'm pouring into myself. And then also, I'm not asking her. I'm not listening to her. And then it goes bad, right, when you talk about dinner. And so the key thing that happens within relationships or the key thing to relational health is, is communication. And so if you want to transform your your relationships, then 
you need to transform your communication because the way that you get a healthy relationship always has to do with shared meaning. If you have shared meaning, you'll have a good relationship. That's why uh, even when you have a new couple that's Twitter-pated, right? They're just like, you know, oh my gosh, you're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. I love you. No, no, I love you more. No, I love you more. And you're going like that. You have a shared meaning, which is you have a mutual admiration society. Like we are the best. You are the best. And that's the meaning. Now you need more than that to have a good life. But shared meaning is only gotten by good communication. So it was God that actually decided that he would change his communication with people. Now, the deeper thinkers are like, wait a minute, does God change? Well, I think God has different tactics that he takes at different times. And so God changed his communication with human beings. He saw the relationship problem and it was his plan all along, but we can look in history and time and space. He changed the way that he communicated with us. In Hebrews chapter one, verse one through two actually shows this, that God changed to crystal clear communication. He's saying, you know what? If, if you didn't understand before what I'm trying to do, let me be real clear and I'll send my son, Jesus. So Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says, <clears throat> Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And though, through the son, he created the universe. And so God spoke in different ways at all times through the prophets and, and through historical events and all sorts of ways to communicate to people that he loves them, that he has life for them and to come to him, that he's loving, that he wants to make things right and to be saved by faith. Uh, looking towards the cross of Jesus Christ that would come. We look back at it, right? But we're saved the same way. And so uh, he says, I'm gonna communicate differently. I'm gonna actually become a human. And I'm going to come amongst you. That's how I'm going to communicate. And then so we see the logos, right? John chapter one, verse one through three, uh, we see that it says in the beginning was the word and that word in Greek is logos. And it, it, it actually means communication. So in the beginning was the communication, you know, God, you know, and then it says, but the communication already existed. So the word or communication was with God and the word was God. So this communication, the logos that he's talking about actually was God himself. And so it says he existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except, uh, except through him. And so God, when he decided to communicate the most clear, he actually became one of us. And that's why um, John 1, 14, later on in that chapter, it says, it says this, it says, so the word... So God's communication became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only. And glory is a, is a funny word. Um, glory means like the weight of, it means like weighty, but it also means like uh, the, the true substance of someone or the true substance of something. So, so God decided, let me be crystal clear with you. Uh, right? You ever have your, your parent do that or a boss or somebody? Let me be real clear with you. This is what's happening. And that's what God did through Jesus, except he's not doing it like that. He's saying, right? What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So let me be crystal clear. I love you. And so much so that I'm going to become one of you and be amongst you. And so that's how God 
you know, changed up his communication. He actually came amongst us. And that's the best way, right? That's the best way that if you, if you want to improve your communication or in in essence, improve your relationship, then you've got to be flesh on flesh with somebody. You've, you've got to be with somebody. Um, I know I've shared with you guys before, like in in my late thirties, um, I, uh, I had like a, I, I processed something from my childhood with my parents' divorce and different things. And, and I, uh, I had to, I had to, you know, I processed it here, but then I called my parents and talked about it. And, and then, and then when I, face to face, I talked about it and, and what a difference it transformed my relationships with them because we were able to see each other and, and feel the emotions together and walk through that um, as we process through these things. So, so being with somebody is what it's all about. That makes a difference. So, um, but if like feelings, just feeling like I want to have a good relationship or feeling like I want to have good communication, that's not really enough, right? Like everybody would say, yeah, I want to have a good relationship with my spouse. Yeah, I want to have a good relationship with my parents or I want to have a good relationship with my kids. But the intention just isn't enough. So first you have to recognize the barriers that are there. And so here's some hurdles or barriers to communication. Um, the, uh, here's a quote by George Bernard Shaw. It says, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place, right? Isn't that true? Uh, you know, I, I remember uh, Michelle and I were like that when we first got married. We, we got married pretty quick. And so um, we didn't have history together. And so as, the, as, as things got more serious and, you know, we're married now and now we're dealing with real life problems, there, this started to happen some where here's my communication, here's hers. And it's like, we would spend half an hour just calibrating to what we're talking about. And it still happens sometimes. I won't say, you know, 21 years, we have history now, but sometimes it happens because we're not with each other. And then it ha- that happens there. And so um, that's what's hard is, is that we're communicating, but it, communication really isn't happening. And so um, the Bible speaks of the problem of communication. In James chapter 3, verse 8, it says this, but no one can tame the tongue, Right? or communication. So, so what we're talking about, here's what I want to tell you, is that you can't do it. Uh, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. So the way that you tame communication or your tongue is actually not by focusing on that. Like you can apply principles all you want. You can try to tweak it, but it actually has to do with something much deeper. You, you can't tame it. You can't fix it based upon your own because And think about it. If you just said, well, if I just say this thing, then we're good. That's fake. Like that's manipulative, right? Like it's like, if I say this, I'm good. Like um, the word thank you. Um, You'll probably notice if you know me well, I'll say thank you a lot. Some of it's because I'm I'm really thankful. But uh, when I was like eight years old, my brother and I went to a a friend's house and uh, we were over there a lot and, and their kids were over at our house a lot. And uh, we'd have dinner and all those things. But this one time, she must have been having a bad day. But my friend's mom, like we ate and left and we're walking home, big dirt road to the big dirt road to the other dirt road where we lived. We're walking home and it, they had this big, long hill. Like we used to take the green machines and the, the, the tricycles and stuff. We just fly down this huge hill. Well, she comes running down this hill. She's like, hey, come back here. And we're like, what did we do? And she goes, you just came over at eight and you didn't say thank you. And so... 
I have to manage myself because sometimes I'm, I'm like, okay, I want to make sure we're good. I want to make sure we're good. I'm sure we'll make sure that we say thank you here so that we can do that. So you, you can't just like use words and just make it right. Uh, that's not how it happens. It has to be deeper where you actually mean what you say and then there's power in it. But if we just say things to try to manipulate people, that's not fixing communication. Like if your spouse or your kid or your parent says to you like, hey, this is what I need from you. I need this word or that sort of thing. Um, just saying it doesn't help. Like for Michelle, uh, my wife, saying sorry is huge, right? That's very important to her. Like, um, like I can say to myself, ooh, I blew it. I don't want to do that again. I, all, I can walk through this list. I'm like, I'm going to change. But if I don't say I'm sorry, and it's not something like she wants the power of it, it like takes her back down. She's like, oh, we're good. Your heart is connected to my heart. And so you, you can imagine like if I just decide, well, I'm just going to say sorry. And it's like pushing a button. We're good. That's not right. So it has to be much deeper to fix communication. We can't fix it. We have to go deeper and that's to our hearts. And so Matthew 15, 18, Jesus talked about this. He says, the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. And so Jesus talked about this heart problem. The word is cardia in Greek. And it's talking about your mind, like the seat of your emotions. That's what we've talked about the last two weeks. We talked about our mental health and then also our emotional health. And so I don't change my communication, which change, changes my relationships until I change my heart. And if my heart is good, then my communication is good and my relationships can be good as well. And so Jesus is, is able to change hearts. That's the good news. That's his business, right? Well, um, what does this look like in everyday life? Like in relationships, I told you some of my stories, Michelle and I's stories, but um, the problem is, is that when it matters most, uh, we actually do our worst. Uh, because we walk into situations and conversations and we've actually pre-programmed our minds sometimes where we actually walk into those situations and we do our worst. Uh, you can call them crucial conversations. And the problem with crucial conversations is that we don't know that we're in them until it's too late usually, right? If our heart's not right, if we haven't prepped right. Um, and so um, a discussion between two people uh, where opinions vary, where the stakes are high, where emotions are running strong. And then you've got like the amygdala hijack, right? Which is uh, the part of our brain that treats mental stress in the same way of physical stress or mental danger, the same way that physical danger comes. And so your brain will push all these chemicals and things to protect you. That's why if somebody says to you, what did you do that for? Right? Your body is saying you are, you are physically unsafe, like you are unsafe right here. And so it will push all these chemicals to your brain. You'll feel your shoulders tighten. Your breathing will start going higher. And even if somebody just like questions something you said. So you can imagine, right? And then we have fight or flight. Some people are like, it's on, right? And then other people are like, hey, I got to go. Like, I'm, I'm not doing this thing. And so that's real life. Um, sometimes we just wing it in crucial conversations, right? Like, the person that is talking to us about something very important to them, maybe we hurt them or maybe they, they need something from us and we just wing it just saying like, well, I'll just give them whatever. Like my, my heart's not there. And that does damage because the other person needs something more from us. So um, 
And like we talked about in a crucial conversation, we don't share the same pool of meaning. And so um, we, when we're talking to somebody, things are going bad. The reason that you're having an argument, like an argument isn't bad, right? How you do an argument can be bad, right? So it's all how you do it. But an argument means that you don't share the same pool of meaning. So in that moment, you need communication skills. You need to be able to communicate at a higher level with that person. Uh, and so things can get bad pretty quick in, in marriages. They can get bad pretty quick in um, you know, parent-to-child relationships. Um, and it doesn't matter. It can happen with employer-to-employee relationships. It doesn't matter like your role. I think that's the hard thing that we forget. Like as parents, sometimes like when kids are little, it's kind of like, you can do more like, because I said so. Well, when they're teenagers, that doesn't work. And when they're adults, that doesn't work. And so you have to have greater communication skills. That's what I've noticed with our boys. They're all teenagers now. And, and I'll find my, as they transition, I find myself maybe taking a, an approach kind of like, you know, I'm the boss, I'm your dad, that's why. And they have some really good pushback stuff. And I realized I was wrong a lot more than I thought when they were little, right? But they didn't approach me that way. And so what we're going to do is we're going to watch a video of a, um, of a couple that talks about their marriage. And they talk about how they invite God into their marriage and the difference that he made in their relationship. And that began our friendship relationship. And um, we ended up getting married in a few months. We were 26 when we got married. And um, as in a lot of marriages, you start out and, and I, you know, you really don't understand your spouse. And, and I didn't understand him. Our marriage was, was on the rocks. And um, I went to a neighbor across the street. I knew she had something that I didn't have. And so I told her, I just didn't know what to do. And she says, I don't have any answers, but let's pray. So she did. And God became, he, he showed up in the room. What can I say? I, it was one of those really powerful conversions because in my arrogance, I thought I had everything figured out. I had to come to the end of myself for God to have a chance to show me his way. And at that point then, it was like the curtain was pulled back and the spiritual reality became very real. And I thought, I, I had a sense of who was trying to destroy our relationship, and it was the enemy. Um, and uh, fortunately, God was working in both of us because uh, it turned us around. We started uh, seeking a church that would really give us a foundation in the Word. Um, people came around us and encouraged us. This particular neighbor that I went to discipled me from then on. Um, and to this day, she's a very good friend, both with she and her husband. And then Bill Riesinger, he was a, he was a new uh, radiologist, just a little farther north in, than, than Anchorage. And uh, he, he asked for help so he could take a vacation or something. And so I started, uh, talking with him a little bit. And then we went to a, a big meeting in, in Chicago uh, for radiologists. I said, well, you're, you, 
you're the, you're the guy from Alaska. And I said, well, yeah, I'm down, down there. We, we've talked on the phone. And uh, I said, so what are you, what are you putting, what is, uh, what's a Christian, what's a Christian radiologist? What's a Christian? You know, and then he, 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 he went through that. And I said, you know, I thought I'd done that, but I've never, never really committed anything. So here I am, right? Right, all, all these people there, I'm, I'm down on my knees right there. I, felt, I just felt I should, boom. What do we? What well, he do we, challenged what you to we do, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you. you know, we'll do that. <laughs> that was so I, I know cool. he's over there. Like, oh, okay. You know, we're going to do this. You know, <laughs> and and, uh, and, and, and pray down that. So that that's how I, I came to the to Lord. Well, that's put a great deal of importance on if God would go to the trouble to catch up with each one of us. It put a lot of importance on our relationship and sticking with it. And so he restored our marriage. There was a time when I just didn't get him at all. And I don't presume that I do thoroughly, but we've had our really rough times through, throughout the years. But I've come to realize if you're together long enough, um, which is a gift, you complement each other. Well, that, that verse, that love does cover a multitude of sins, I think is a key one. Um, I think it points right back to God. I mean, He's forgiven us all the time, really. And God's been good. That I don't think He's allowed me to, to hum, has humbled me in, to the point where I really, really get uh, how much He has forgiven. Because if he did, I don't think I could stand it. I think relationships are very important because that's one of the main reasons we're here. Um, and obviously as a believer, your first relationship is with the Lord, but the only way to show love for the Lord is to people. Did you, did you catch the point where she said, so God restored our marriage, our relationship, right? So, so they, had, they had what they were doing, like their way, like where they were cruising. And God intervened right into their, uh, right into their relationship. And so that's a marriage relationship. But then <clears throat> we have all the other relationships that are meaningful to us that <clears throat> we can apply this to as well. And so um, how do we take this home, right? Like how do, how do we take this? It's very practical, we don't want to just say, well, that's nice. I know that. So what are the steps? Because there's principles, like there's principles to partnering with God in transformation of our relationship. So the first thing is to invite Jesus into the most important relationships and communication. So your most important relationships, who are those people? Um, you know, your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or, or your, um, your boss, uh, your coworkers, like, I don't know what relationships uh, are most important to you right now. And, and you're like, maybe there's stress in some of those relationships. Uh, if you're a parent with one of your children or if you're a child with your parents, um, invite God into that relationship, right? And, and say, God, you know, I'm, I've done the best I can, but we're not, like communication isn't happening here. We need help. I need help. 
um, that's where it changes everything. Because if Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There are uh, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So every, every wedding that I do, uh, I, I, I typically work this scripture in there or if I do premarital counseling, because it, what a difference, what a difference. Like for instance, if you're in there, like if you're in an argument with somebody and you're, you're working, sorting something out and it's getting heated, what a difference to remember, hey, Jesus, like we need your help here. Like we, we like really need you to step in the midst of this here. And it absolutely makes a difference. I've seen that in my most important relationships where, where one person, uh, it'd be nice if both all of a sudden arrived there, but it, it seems like somebody has to recognize God's presence and say, you know, this is, this is going the wrong way. Like, you know, let's chill out. And then that person can do some of the things we're talking about here. And so the next thing is, is that uh, learn and implement principles of communication, Right. So these are like the laws of like law of gravity, right? You can try to fight the law of gravity all you want, uh, but, but you're not going to beat it. Uh, and so this is like a law in life. One is this, seek to understand, then to be understood. And quite honestly, like if things were bad in a relationship and you say, Cody, I need help. Uh, things are bad at work or things are bad in my marriage or things are bad with my kids or my parent. I would say if you do this one thing, like if you implement this, you will radically transform your relationship like within a day, within a day or more if you apply this one thing. And it's to seek to understand, then be understood. And so um, uh, there should be, there you go. Okay. So, so seek to understand. Um, so when you seek first to understand, and Parker, you can just leave these up there as I talk through it, okay? Um, so seek first to understand. So the, your intent is to listen to understand, right? Listening to understand is different than, um, than like listening to share your idea, right? Like you, that, in that type, you're like, it's like you're, um, uh, you know, in Southern California, I haven't seen them here, maybe you have them, but like uh, when you pull on the freeway because the flow of traffic is too much, you wait at the light. You know, you pull onto the freeway on-ramp, but then there's a light, and then they let you go. And, and, and it's like this thing, man, people just gun it, right? Because you've been waiting, you're ready to go. That's how we, uh, when we listen to talk, and that's not good, right? Somebody's been sharing, and so this is where I'm at. And all of a sudden, they take a breath. Whammo! I'm in there, right? That doesn't really work well. And so the intent is to listen to understand. And then you add this skill, which is reflect feelings and words, so you would say this, you would say, so you feel sad about what I said, or you feel mad about what I said, or you feel um, taken for granted about what I did to you, right? You repeat that back to the person. You're like, Cody, Cody, Cody. I'm like a level eight communicator. I don't need to do these simple steps. The, that's what our brains tell us. Like, look, I've been in relationships my whole life. I can do this and I've done pretty well. The hard thing is, is that, look, if you want to go big in relationships, if you want to have a, a great relationship, a great marriage or great relationships with your kids or coworkers or friendships, you go small, which means is you apply the little things that work. And so if you apply something like this, it may seem mechanical, like, oh man, but this is how communication happens. Because when you say to somebody, you tell them, so what I'm hearing is, is that you're saying that you're hurt 
Or what I'm hearing is, is that when I said this, it made you feel this way. Or when I didn't show up on time, it made you feel like your, like what you had prepared didn't matter to me. And the number one thing people need is they need to feel heard. Like that what they feel matters. And so when you do this, it does that. So then it's to be understood. So your intent is to be understood. Uh, and then the skill there is, is state your point of view using I messages. So I feel sad about our date that got messed up because you decided that you needed to fix that thing. And then all of a sudden we didn't have a date, right? That makes me feel sad. Like the thing getting fixed is more important or, um, or if it's a, like with a teenage child, like it makes me, it makes me sad that, that you didn't show up to family dinner on time, that you had something else going on that you didn't show up because we had planned that whole thing. We made your favorite food, right? And so it slows it down and it, it also takes away, it makes it less, um, depersonalizing, right? Like when you hear somebody say like, this is where I'm at, like, oh, you see their feelings again and, and you can share yours as well. The next thing um, is, uh, oh, James, uh, James 1.19 uh, is, uh, is the verse here. Uh, it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, right? So that's the seek to understand and then slow to speak and then slow to get angry, right? You may just say slow to get angry, like slow it down. So that's the principle that's here. And, and the principle here is, is seek to understand and be understood. That's Stephen Covey, if you've ever read that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So it's number five, if, if you're paying attention. Um, the next thing is, is, is take always and never out of your, cap, uh, your vocabulary. Uh, always and never, you wanna just get rid of that. Uh, you, you just want to just move it way out of you, out of your vocabulary, um, because always and never is condemning. So if you say this, I mean, if it's good, like you say, boy, you are always on, or you are always on time, or you're encouraging, that's great, or uh, that sort of thing. But typically, we don't use always and never that way. We will use like, you know, you always talk over me, you always um, are late, or you, you never do what I ask you to do. Or, so do you see how condemning that is? And when somebody gets backed into a corner, that really can be hurtful. It makes them feel like, man, I'm a total loser here. You know, I, I mean, I can't do this. And so this, that's something Michelle and I learned in our premarital counseling when, uh, when we got married. Because like I said, we got married quick. And um, the pastor of our church at the time, you know, I, I went to him, I said, hey, man, we've, we've only been like dating for three months. We're engaged now. We're going to do this. And, and he, he, and he just says, I think you guys are cool, but listen, do premarital counseling for a few months and walk through this because, you know, just in case, you know, you think you're getting a, a Corvette and, you know, you're really getting a Pinto or a Corvair, you know, and, or the other way around, right? Just make sure you walk through and, and know what you're getting. And so premarital was just huge because we, we learned things like this. And, and it's, it's kind of a game where it's just like, if I use it, she's also programmed, like she's programmed herself like, oh, that's not an attack. It's like, hey, we don't use that, right? And I'm like, oh, that's right. You know, in, in the best moments, that's how we do it, right? And so, um, and, you know, but then other times, you did not say always, right? That can go there too, right? Um, and so uh, that's me that will say that. But um, Romans 14, 19 says, uh, so then uh, let us aim for harmony uh, that's four, I have 14.9 up there on the screen. Sorry, guys. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So 
so the reason this fits here, the principle is, is that I'm not going to go to always and never. I'm not going to go to like to the extremes. I'm not going to condemn. I'm not going to go there because I'm going to actually put my efforts towards harmony uh, with other people. Uh, the next thing is, is, is pave the way for good communication. So this is basic. Again, this is a simple thing, but if you do it, you'll transform your relationships. Um, is have good manners. Just absolutely. The next time you feel like a relationship is going off bounds and out of bounds, and you're just like, man, this stinks, this is going bad, just start using uh, please and thank you, right? Um, Michelle and I do this with, uh, <clears throat> with our like chores. Like, uh, you know, she has certain things that she does around the house. I have certain things that I do. So we thank each other for those. Uh, we like, we, even though there are things that like, we've all agreed that we're going to do, um, we, we just say, Hey, thank you so much for that. That really makes a difference here. So we, we keep up on, on, to, on those things and our boys do it too. Our boys, uh, we've taught them that like, Hey, that we don't take things for granted. We use good manners about the things that happen <clears throat> because sometimes familiarity, like, right. It breeds this thing where we're sitting there, like we're too familiar with people. Like, and you say, well, we've been married for 35 years. Of course we're familiar, right? But this person is, is the crown jewel of God's creation, like the apple of his eye. Like God made this person unique. And they're also not the person that they were when you met them, right? As I've seen relationships go bad, whether married relationships or parents and kids, it's you start to take the person for granted. Like, oh, I know that person. They're just this way or they're just that. No, every person is a dynamic person that's changing and growing. And, and the way relationships go bad is, is you stop relating to the person that they're becoming, right? You, you relate to them as the person that maybe you met or, or from years ago. But if you relate to the person they're becoming, then you can keep getting healthy. Um, <clears throat> also compliments, right? Uh, so look for the best in people. Uh, look for the best in what's happening instead of negative things. Uh, and likewise, if, if you pay attention, like, you know, am I speaking life to this person? Am I speaking hope to them or is it something else? Um, the next thing is to have a servant's heart. Uh, so pray for the other person, right? If you have a, 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 a stressed relationship, pray for that person. Spend time praying for them. What will happen is, is that it's not about saying, God, get them or God, change them, right? God may do some of that. But what happens is when you pray, you link up with God's heart for that person. And in God's heart, all of a sudden you see that person differently. Even if they didn't change, you will change and see them differently. And then the next thing is help them out, right? Like even if it's somebody at work, you have a strained relationship with somebody at work and you're always on their nerves, you're, you know, they're on yours, uh, help them out with something like, hey, can I help you with that? Or if there is something's going on, just, just step in and serve. Um, and then also pay attention to have four positive interactions to one negative. Right? If you want to see how bad your relationship really is with somebody, if you think it's bad or, or even if you think it's good, pay attention to the, the interactions. You know, are you constantly having bad interactions with somebody? Like anytime you have a conversation, it's, it's you know, nagging them about this or that or they're nagging you about this or that. Well, that's why your relationship's bad is because all the interactions are negative. And so you have to implement some of the things we just talked about. It's like, you know what, I'm just going to four to one have a four to one ratio the other way, four positive to one negative. And the scripture for this is uh, Proverbs 16, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And then here's the last thing you guys, and um, we'll close, um, is that take a 30,000 foot view and remember the big picture. 
So create a relationship to your relationship. Um, sometimes relationships go bad because we can't see perspective. You ever shared with somebody about your relationship and they're not as fired up about how bad things are as you? You know, uh, you, you share like, man, this is bad and this is thing. And they bring perspective and they say, well, okay. And they, they show you the bigger picture. Um, this, is, this is what um, Michelle and I get to do in counseling for years is, 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 is we're able to give the 30,000 foot view to people, right? Because when you're pressured, when it's on, you know, that other person is, you know, is, is evil itself, Right. And what's happened is, is because you're hurt or because you've hurt them or things are so bad, you've depersonalized them. You don't see them as they are. And, and so when you take a 30,000 foot view, especially as a Christian, you realize, hey, there's a battle here. Like there's like, there's serious stuff going on. And in the number one attack that the enemy makes against, um, tries to make against God and against people and especially Christians is relationships. Relationships are what it's all about. Relationships are the only thing that's eternal, right? So like your house, your car, like your clothes, even your body will be different for eternity. But what will continue is the relationships that you've started. So your relationships, whether good or bad, those relationships, right? That person that you have that relationship with, you will have a relationship with them for eternity. Absolutely. You, you will know that person for eternity. So, so that's why they're so important is to invest in those. And so that's why the enemy comes to, to cause problems in relationships. Ephesians 6, 12 says this, it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood. So it's saying that, that your enemy is never another person, right? Even if they have made themselves an enemy, even if they really are an enemy, right? That's not your enemy ever. It's never flesh and blood. Uh, John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, he said, he said, my brother is never my enemy, even if they act like it, right? Because that's the trick. It's just like, well, fine, they're not my enemy, but they act like it. Well, even if they act like it, there's bigger things going on. The spiritual world influences the physical. So it says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so, so that's where we end, you guys. That's where we end is, is, is um, the importance of our relationships, right? Like if, if that's where the enemy attacks, well, then that's what influences everything else. Like if you've ever driven by uh, like a dam where water is held back in this reservoir and in, 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 you know, there's the concrete in, in there. If you want the water to gush out, what do you do? You break the dam. You go after that. And so in the same way, if, if uh, someone wants the moral fabric of our society to, to break down, if somebody wants people to, to not love God or be love God or to love one another or to be strong, or, or if, if um, uh, you know, the enemy, what they'll do is they'll attack relationships. And they're the most important relationships. And some of it is, is like, if I can just get people so busy going after other things, just chasing after other things, they won't pay attention to what's most important which is their relationships, right? Because relationships sometimes are just like an afterthought. It's like, man, I would love to have a good marriage or I would love to have a good relationship with my child or I'd love to have a good relationship with my employees or, or have a good relationship with uh, my sister and my brother. But I just have so many other things to do. There's just so many other things that are so much more important and I just don't have time for that. So we go into these, these relationships and we don't have margin. And that's the game. 
That's the game. And so hopefully with these principles, we can change that. Because if you do these principles, you have time. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com. 